choir sounded great. Didn't they do a great job in leading us in worship this morning? And you look great. Well, most of you do, but you look great. So um, I'm glad you're here this morning to worship with us. And we want to continue worshiping by looking at God's Word. And this morning, I want to obviously talk about the resurrection, but I've entitled this message Because of the Resurrection. You know, there have been a lot of events that have changed and impacted the world. And this week, I read some articles and looked at what some historians said are some of the most important events that have changed the world. And they listed things like the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, or the, or the Black Plague, or the Protestant Reformation, or the American Revolution, or the Industrial Revolution, or the Medical Revolution, or the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand of Austria that started World War I. They list World War II, the attack on Pearl Harbor, the fall of the Berlin Wall, and of course, 9-11, the technology revolution. And then they list, as we all know and have lived through, the COVID pandemic. But I was surprised at the top of that list of what some historians say was the event that changed the world was the French Revolution. You know, I loved history in, in, in uh, college. I loved history in, in school. But I had no idea the French Revolution was one of the main events that changed the world. And they said not only did it shape the entire modern world as we know it and pave the way for capitalism, it set the stage for revolutionary uprising and changes in all parts of the world. They say the period of radical social and political upheaval during the French Revolution and the Napoleonic Wars that followed had a lasting impact, just not on France or Europe, but the entire planet. And it will be remembered as the event that gave rise to capitalism and whose shockwaves led to a total transformation of social structures in every country. I bet you coming here this morning didn't realize you're going to get a history lesson. But according to historians, the French Revolution was one of the greatest events that has ever impacted the world. But there is one event that should have been at the very top of the list. There is one event that was auspiciously but not surprisingly left off. There's one event that not only changed history, not only changed the world, but changes the eternal destiny of everyone who believes. And this is why we celebrate Easter. This event is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Messiah. That is the greatest event that has ever happened and will ever happen in the history of the world. And if you can't get excited about Easter... If you can't get excited of the fact that Jesus, who was beaten and tortured and crucified for you on Friday and rose again on Sunday morning, just like he said he would, there is not much that will excite you. And I believe that we should be more excited about the resurrection than anything else. Why? Because Jesus, who was dead, now is alive. And there are some who say, well, the resurrection is a myth. The resurrection really didn't happen. And they try to explain it away with all these different theories of, of how Jesus' body disappeared. Some say there's such thing as the swoon theory, that Jesus just passed out. Really? Have you ever seen a Roman crucifixion? No one just passes out from a Roman crucifixion. The Romans made sure he was dead. He was as dead as dead could be. Then there's hallucination theory that says that those who saw Jesus after he supposedly rose from the dead they were just hallucinating they were seeing things if you recall Paul said Jesus saw 500 people at once 
So if all these people were hallucinating, they all saw the same thing. And you know what? That is not physiologically possible for a group of people to all hallucinate at the same time and see the exact same thing. Then there's the substitution of the wrong person theory held by the Muslims that that God cast a spell over the enemies of Jesus to, to free Jesus and either Judas Iscariot or Simon Cyrene died in his place. No, someone did not die in Jesus' place. Jesus died in our place. And then there's the intentional fraud theory that the disciples stole the body. You know where the disciples was when Jesus was in the grave? I should say were, correct my English. You know where the disciples were when Jesus was in the grave? They were in a room hiding because they were scared. There is no way they were going to confront the Roman soldiers at the tomb and try to rescue the body of Jesus. Then there's the wrong tomb theory that some people espouse, that the women who went to the tomb on that early Sunday morning, that they went to the wrong tomb. But Scripture says these women knew exactly where Jesus was buried. Matthew 27, 61 says that they watched from a distance as Joseph of Arimathea put the body of Jesus in the tomb and he rolled the stone in front of it. Then there's something called the telegram theory, which was kind of new on me. That Jesus rose in a spiritual state and sent a telegram from heaven to his disciples that he is alive. That the resurrection of Jesus was just a spiritual resurrection. I'm here to tell this morning that the resurrection of Jesus was just not a spiritual resurrection. It was a bodily, it was a physical resurrection. And there are all kinds of other theories that people try to... Try to uh, I guess espouse that that are just not true because these are just theories and no more. There is no factual evidence to support any of these theories. And the problem that all these theories have is if, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, where is the body? There is no body to be found. There is no case for these theories because Jesus rose just like he said he was. And after all these theories are easily explained and debunked, The only thing that makes sense, the only thing that is true is what the angel said to the women when they visited the tomb on that early Sunday morning. He is not here. He is risen. And some say, well, I want evidence to show that Jesus rose from the grave. Maybe our response would be, prove to me he didn't rise from the grave. Because they can't. But there is plenty of evidence to prove that he did. The Old Testament promised it. If you look at Psalm 16.10, the psalmist promised that Jesus would not see decay. Jesus predicted it. In Luke 9.22, he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. You see, the resurrection, it validates who Jesus is. More evidence, the tomb was empty. There was no body to be found. He appeared to many. He, that touched him, that heard him, that saw him eat, and he even ate with his own disciples after he rose from the dead. But some of the greatest evidence is the lives of the disciples and how they were transformed. Look at the lives of the disciples before the resurrection and after. It's night and day. They went from being cowardly to being courageous. All you have to do is read the book of Acts and see the difference that the resurrection made in the lives of the disciples Those disciples who were hiding when Jesus was crucified and laid in the tomb, those were the same disciples who were willing to die for their faith in the rest of the New Testament. 
And you look at Peter specifically who denied Jesus. And you turn to the book of Acts after the resurrection. And and Peter gave one of the greatest gospel messages to ever be preached in Acts chapter 2. And because of his message, it says that thousands were added to the church, that thousands were saved. And these disciples were even willing to die for their faith after the resurrection of Jesus. But I think some of the greatest evidence is the personal experience that takes place when someone comes to know Christ. Because when someone comes to know Jesus, their lives are radically changed. Jesus changes lives. And there's no disputing the change that takes place in the life of someone who puts their trust and their faith in Christ. So what is the most important event to take place in the history of the world? It's not the French Revolution. It's not the American Revolution. It's not the Industrial Revolution or any other revolution. But it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because these events cannot do what the resurrection of Jesus Christ has done. And this morning, I want to look at 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 20, and I want to share with you why the resurrection of Christ is the greatest event, why it's the most significant event in the history of the world. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 12. Paul writes, If Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. Verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is without foundation, and so is your faith. In addition, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Therefore, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. And if we have placed our hope in the Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. From this passage this morning, I want to share with you four things that occur because of the resurrection based on this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The first thing I want to say is because of the resurrection, our message is meaningful. Because of the resurrection, our message is meaningful. In verse 14, Paul says, If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then our preaching, then our message, then our witness, it has no foundation, it has no basis, it has no merit. What Paul is saying is without the resurrection, we have no good news. Without the resurrection, there's no point in church. Without the resurrection, there's no point in missions or evangelism or worship or Bible study or prayer. And according to verse 15, if the resurrection did not occur, Paul says, we are living a lie. He says, we're spreading false information because we're sharing good news when there is good news to share if Jesus is dead. And what is the good news? The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, exactly what the gospel is. He says, now, brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. You are saved by it if you hold to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believe to no purpose. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried. He was raised on the third day 
according to the scriptures and he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve that is the gospel of Jesus Christ the death, the burial and the resurrection and the gospel is that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son Jesus to die on the cross for us to pay the price for our sin and then he was buried in a borrowed tomb but he didn't stay dead He rose again on the third day, and 40 days later, he ascended into heaven. You see, the gospel offers us victory over our sin through the cross and victory over death through the resurrection. And the gospel is a message worth sharing. But if Jesus did not raise from the dead, what would Easter be? Easter would be just another day. And if Easter is just another day, we have no message to share. Because without the resurrection, there is no gospel. If there is no gospel, there is no good news. Can you imagine trying to share the gospel with just two-thirds of the good news? It's impossible. All we would have to share is bad news. We could only share that, yeah, Jesus died for our sins, but he's still dead. What a downer that is. It only gets worse. Not only is Jesus still dead then, but we are also still dead in our sin. Have you ever cooked something and it didn't turn out the way it should have? Have you ever realized you missed a step or maybe forgot a key ingredient and you know and others know something is missing and it's just not right? Well, Joni is a... And I talked to her about this before I shared it. I got permission. I'm not stupid. I may look stupid, but I'm not. Joni is a great cook. But not too long after we started dating, she, loved, she knew I loved scotcheroos. Scotcheroos are Rice Krispie treats with a delicious chocolate frosting on top. And growing up, when I went to my grandparents in Iowa, my grandmother always had scotcheroos waiting for us. And so Joni got the recipe, and, and she made dinner for me one night while we were in seminary. And, and to surprise me, she made these scotcheroos, and I couldn't wait to eat them. They looked so delicious sitting in the pan. But she went to cut them, and she couldn't get them out. I tried to get them out, and I couldn't get them out I tried with everything I had we got hammers and screwdrivers and jackhammers and no we didn't but we tried everything but no matter how hard we tried those things would not come out of the pan they were hard as a rock maybe harder than a rock and they were cemented to the pan itself and the whole pan to my dismay had to be thrown away I know it's a sad story Because Joni realized she did not do all the steps correctly. She left something out. When you make candy, make sure you have the right candy thermometer. That's all I'm going to say about that. But but can you imagine someone asking how they can receive forgiveness for their sin, how they can have eternal life that the resurrection did not take place? Our answer would have to be then, well, I don't know. That's a really great question. Boy, I wish I had the answer. Why? Because without the resurrection, the key ingredient to the gospel is missing. You see, it's not enough that Jesus was died and was buried. In order for our sins to be forgiven, in order for the gospel message to be complete and effective, the death, the burial, and the resurrection all had to occur. And because Jesus did rise from the grave, we do have the answer. We know our sins can be forgiven. We know we can have eternal life. We know we can have a relationship with God 
through the whole gospel, just not part of it. And we must understand that the resurrection of Christ is at the heart of the gospel message. You see, the gospel message, the message of Easter is meaningful because Jesus is not dead, but Jesus is alive. And it's a message worth sharing, and it's a message worth believing. Second thing I want to say is, not only is our message meaningful, but our faith is invaluable. Verse 14, he says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is without foundation, and so is your faith. In verse 17, he says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. Paul is saying that the resurrection is the linchpin of our faith, and I'm sure you've heard that before. And just to remind you, a linchpin is, is a pin that holds something together. And if you pull that pin out, what it's holding together falls apart. And the same is true with the resurrection in our faith. It is the resurrection that holds our faith together. Because if the resurrection is removed, our faith falls apart. And you see, without faith, it is impossible to believe in God. Because if Christ didn't raise from the dead, we couldn't believe in God because we couldn't trust God. And God promised not only would Jesus die, but that he would rise again. And if Jesus did not rise again, God would not be God because he would be a liar. And Jesus would not be who he claimed to be or have the power he claimed to have. As Jesus himself said that he would rise from the grave. And Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, our faith has no foundation. Our faith is worthless. Without the resurrection, we cannot be saved because in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Paul said that the only way that we are saved is by grace through faith. If the resurrection didn't occur, then we couldn't be saved because we couldn't have faith. You see, without the resurrection, our faith wouldn't really matter. Our faith is devoid of value. And as I mentioned earlier, we are guilty of living a lie. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, what's the point of believing in him? If Christ didn't raise from the dead, what's the point of living for him? If Christ didn't raise from the dead, what's the point of, of following him and trusting him? <clears throat> the answer is simple. There is none. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, we could live how we wanted to. We could act how we wanted to act. We could talk like we wanted to talk. We could do what we wanted to do as this life is all that we would have to look forward to. But because Jesus rose from the dead, our faith does matter and we can believe in God and trust God and live for God. And we need to understand that our faith is the most precious, the most valuable, the most priceless thing we have and it's the only thing in our lives that can't be taken away from us. You see, your possessions can be taken. Your money can be taken. Our lives can be taken. But the one thing that cannot be taken from us is our faith in Jesus Christ. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, verse 4 and verse 7, he tells us how invaluable our faith is. He says our, our faith is imperishable. Peter says our faith can't die. He says our faith is uncorruptible. It can't become tainted or polluted. He said our faith is unfading, meaning it can never lose its value. And then verse 7, he says, while gold can perish, he says our faith will endure. You see, our faith in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus is far more valuable than gold. It's far more valuable than anything this world has to offer because what is in this world is going to fade away. What is in this world is going to be destroyed, but our faith will last 
forever. And our faith should be more important to us than anything else because our faith can do for us what nothing else can do. There is nothing else that can save you from your sin. There is nothing else that can conquer death and conquer hell and conquer the grave. It's only our faith in Jesus Christ that can do those things. So instead of putting your faith in the world, instead of putting your faith in people, we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. See, we need to be like the Roman centurion who after Jesus breathed his last breath, and then they pierced the side of Jesus with a sword and a mixture of blood and water came running out. In Matthew 27, 54, it says the Roman centurion looked up at Jesus hanging on that cross and he said, truly this man was the son of God. You see, Jesus is the only one you can trust because Jesus will not fail you. Jesus will not fade away. Jesus will not disappoint. Why can you trust him? Why can you put your faith in him? Because Jesus rose from the dead just like he promised. There is nothing more valuable than your faith. It's the only thing that's going to get you through this life and the life to come. The third thing I want to share with you, not only is our message meaningful and our faith invaluable, but our salvation is powerful. In verse 17, Paul writes at the end of verse 17, after he said, your faith is worthless, he says this, you are still in your sins if Christ didn't rise from the dead. You see, without the resurrection, without Jesus, when Jesus died for our sins, if he didn't rise again, we would still be dead in our sins. And Jesus going to the cross for us and taking our death and our guilt and our shame upon himself, it does nothing for us because we are still guilty before God. We are still dead in our sin with no way to be forgiven. And we still have to pay the penalty of our sins. And if there is no forgiveness of sin, what is the point in not sinning? You see, without the resurrection, our salvation would be worthless. In fact, it would not even be possible. Without the resurrection, we are still lost and we are without hope. I ran across this quote this week. It said, the cradle and the cross are of little value without the resurrection. But the cradle plus the cross plus the resurrection equals Salvation. You see, our salvation was just not provided by the cross. Our salvation was provided, solidified, and guaranteed by the cross plus the empty tomb. In Romans 4.25, Paul wrote, He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. It wasn't enough for Jesus to die for us. Jesus had to defeat death itself so we could be made right with God. If our salvation stopped at the cross, we still would be lost. But because Jesus rose from the dead, we can be saved. David Crowder has a song called My Victory. And one line of that song I love, he says, The cross meant to kill is our victory you see the romans the jews intended to use the cross to get rid of jesus but actually what they did they did us a favor by crucifying jesus because of the crucifixion of jesus jesus could rise from the dead and provide us the salvation that god had promised 
And because Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death, salvation is not only power, po- uh, possible, it is powerful. And it is powerful because our salvation brings redemption. Ephesians 1, 7, Paul writes, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Our salvation is powerful because it brings redemption. We're saved from sin and its consequences. We're brought back to God. We're repossessed by God by the blood of Jesus. Not only does our salvation bring redemption, our salvation brings remission. You see, because of the cross and the resurrection, our sins are forgiven. Our debt has been paid for, and our debt is canceled. Colossians 2, 13 and 14, it says, When you were dead in trespasses, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with his obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Because of the crucifixion and the resurrection, your sins were nailed to the cross. Your sin debt was canceled. Jesus paid the debt that he did not owe, and he paid the debt that there is no way we could have paid. Salvation is powerful. Our salvation also brings reconciliation. Our salvation restores our relationship with God. Because salvation is possible, no longer are we an enemy of God, but we are a friend and we have peace with God. And through Christ, we can be made right with God. Colossians 1, 19 and 20, Paul writes, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself. By making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. The only way that we can be reconciled with God and have peace with God is through the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our salvation also brings transformation. Salvation changes our life. Our salvation gives us new birth. It gives us a new nature. The old is made new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul said, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Our salvation also guarantees eternal life. Eternal life begins the moment you give your life to Christ. And we can only live and never die because Jesus died and lived. John 3, 16, very familiar verse. For God so loved the world, God so loved me and you, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And our resurrection guarantees a future resurrection. You see, if a believer dies before Christ returns, that believer will be raised from the dead when Christ returns because Christ rose from the dead. 1 Thessalonians 4.14, Paul wrote, Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. And let me make this clear. There are not many ways to God. There is only one way to God. And that is through his son, Jesus Christ. 
John 14, 6, Jesus said to his disciples very clearly, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes through the Father but through me. And the way it's written in the Greek, the word I am the way is emphasized. And what is really being written there is I am the one and the only way. I am the one and the only truth. I am the one and the only life. Jesus is saying, I am it. There is none coming before me. There is none coming after me. I am the only one that can provide a way for your sins to be forgiven, for you to have peace with God, for you to have eternal life, and to be in the presence of God forever. There is no other way to achieve salvation in a relationship with God except through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is it. And Jesus made that very, very clear. And think about this. If there was more, if there were many ways to God, why did Jesus go through what he went through? Who in the world would put themselves through such torture and such mockery and such suffering if there was more than one way? I'll tell you why Jesus did that. Because he is the only way. And because of his love for us. You see, our salvation is not about our work. Our salvation is not about what we do for him. But our salvation is about our worth and accepting what Jesus did for us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 said, You are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is not what you can do to get to God. Salvation is what God did to get to you. And the only way God got to you was through the cross of Jesus Christ. Nothing else can forgive your sin. Nothing else can make you right with God. Nothing else can change your life. Nothing else can give you eternal life except you receiving God's gift of salvation by putting your faith in Him and asking Jesus to come into your life as your Savior and Lord. Here's the bottom line. Our salvation is not worthless. Our salvation is not pointless. Our salvation is powerful because it brings us from death to life. It brings us from darkness to light. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I ask you this morning, have you experienced the power of the salvation of God? If you haven't experienced the power of salvation of God by giving your life to God, I want to encourage you to do that today because it will change your life and it will change your eternal destiny. The last thing I want to share from this passage, the fourth thing is our life is hopeful. Our life is full of hope. Verses 18 and 19, he says, Therefore those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have placed our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. In verse 18, Paul writes that there is no resurrection. Those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, they are separated from God forever. Their salvation didn't really matter. Their faith really didn't matter. And in verse 19, he says, If Jesus did not rise from the dead, life is hopeless. He's saying this world is the best that it gets. Isn't that a sad commentary If this world is the best that it gets? Meaning this is our only hope. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, our life has no purpose. Our life has no meaning. Our life has no value. And nothing what we do for Christ in this life really matters. And we will be separated from God forever. And our salvation and our faith 
do not matter. And there is no point in living for Christ if we will not live with Christ forever if Jesus did not raise from the dead. And Paul said people should feel sorry for us if that is the case. Because he said we're living a lie. We're following a lie. We're telling lies. And he said we should be pitied more than anyone else. But I'm so thankful Paul doesn't stop there. Read to verse 20. He says, Now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That word but is huge. Paul is saying, You know what? Ignore everything I just said because what I'm about to say is going to change everything. What I'm about to say is going to rock your world. He said, You know what? Jesus has been raised from the dead. And I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus did rise from the dead. It's a no doubt or it's a done deal. He is risen and he is alive. And because Jesus is alive, hope is alive. And death could not hold him and death could not hold us. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 57 says, Death has been swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, because Jesus, the first fruits as Paul referred to, meaning the first of more to come, rose from the dead. Those who are in Christ are guaranteed to rise from the dead. And because Jesus conquered sin, because Jesus conquered death and hell and the grave, we can have victory in Jesus over sin, over death, over hell, and the grave. And because we have victory of Jesus, we should live for Jesus, knowing that what we do for him is not in vain, but will last forever. In verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes this, Therefore, my dear brothers, he's saying because Jesus rose from the dead, because grave can't, the grave and death can't hold us, he says, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You see, because of the resurrection, what we do for Christ matters. Because of the resurrection, our salvation matters. Because of the resurrection, our faith matters. And our lives do have value. Our lives do have meaning. Our lives do have purpose. And instead of people feeling sorry for us who know Christ, we should feel sorry for those who don't know Christ and tell them about the hope we have in Jesus because they are the ones who have no hope, not us. We have hope. In an interview with Larry King, Barbara Walters asked him this question. She asked him, what is your greatest fear? And his answer was death. And then she asked him, do you believe in God? He said, I'm not sure. I'm an agnostic. You see, if you are uncertain about God, I promise you, you're going to be fearful of death. But Easter reminds us that the fear of death dissolves when we walk with the one who walked out of the tomb. And because Jesus walked out of the tomb, because Jesus rose from the dead. One day, if we die before Christ returns, we're going to walk out of our tomb and we're going to rise from the dead. And there's a huge difference in grieving over someone who dies and knows Christ and over someone who dies and does not know Christ. I've been to both funerals and there's a world of difference between both. 
1 Thessalonians 4, 13, Paul wrote, We do not have to grieve like the rest who've fallen asleep. Why do we not have to grieve about those who've, who've given their life to Christ and died? Because we know one day, because Jesus rose from the dead, that we will see them again. You see, the one who dies with Christ has hope that one day when Jesus returns, they'll have a bodily resurrection just like Jesus had. And we have hope that we will see them again if we've given our lives to Christ. But the one who dies without Christ, they have no hope. They spend eternity in a place called hell, separated from God forever. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, we don't have to be hopeless. We can be hopeful. We can live a life full of hope as our hope is not in this life but in the resurrection of Jesus and in the life to come, living in the presence of God for eternity. One Saturday afternoon, a, a man approached a little league baseball game. And he asked a boy in the dugout what the score was. The boy looked at the man and he said, Sir, it's 18 to nothing. We're losing. The man responded, Boy, I bet you're discouraged. The boy replied, Why should I be discouraged? We hadn't even batted yet. Is that optimism or what? You see, after Jesus was dead and buried, the disciples looked at the situation and they thought it was over. They thought they didn't have a chance. Satan thought that he had won or at least had the upper hand. But God was thinking, guys, we haven't even batted yet. And when we do, we're going to crush it. And when God batted, he did crush it. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, even though Satan had struck his heel and Jesus had crushed Satan's head, as Genesis 3.15 said, God won. You see, the greatest event in the history of the world is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the resurrection of Jesus is what separates Christianity from all other religions as Jesus is the only one who ever died and rose from the dead. You think of all the other religions. Think of Buddhism. Buddha died, and he's still dead. Islam, Muhammad died, he's still dead. Confucius died, and he is still dead. Jesus is the only one who died and rose again. Henry Morris, a great Christian apologist in the 20th century, said this. He said, The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the crowning proof of Christianity. If the resurrection did not take place, then Christianity is a false religion. If it did take place, then Christ is God and the Christian faith is absolute truth. And I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus did rise from the dead. And Christianity, the Christian faith, is absolute truth. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He rose from the dead, and now he is forever on his throne. And as the choir sang, because of his resurrection, he is risen, he is risen, he is glorified. King Jesus, King Jesus is alive. And because of the resurrection, he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And because of the resurrection, our message is meaningful. Our faith is invaluable. Our salvation is powerful. Our life is hopeful. And because Jesus is alive, hope is alive. 
And I want to challenge you to never forget the empty grave and the hope that we have in Jesus. I asked these questions a little earlier in my message, but I want to repeat them again as we go into our time of commitment. I want to ask you, who are you putting your faith in this morning? Is your faith in people? Is the faith in government? Is your faith in your job or your possessions? I want to tell you this morning that the only place that you should put your faith is in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that today, I want to challenge you and encourage you to make Jesus your Lord and Savior today because he can do for you what no one else or nothing else can do. Have you experienced the power of the salvation of God? If not, you need to because it will change your life and your eternal destiny. Your only hope is Jesus. He died for you. He gave his life for you so you could have eternal life. And I want to encourage you not to leave here this morning until you give your life to him. Put your faith and trust in him and experience the power of his salvation. Maybe you're here this morning, you've given your life to Christ. I want you to think about what Jesus did for you. I want you to think about the significance and the importance of the crucifixion and the resurrection. I want you to spend some time this morning or maybe even come to the altar and telling Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for rising from the grave. Thank you for the hope I have in you. We have so much to be thankful for because Jesus rose from the dead. And think about this. Because of the sacrifice Jesus made for us, we should be in awe of him. And we need to surrender our lives to him. And we need to owe everything to him because he gave everything for us. And maybe this morning you've given your life to Christ and, and you're not living for him the way that you should. Maybe you've given your life to Christ and you haven't surrendered every area of your life to him. Maybe you've given your life to Christ, but maybe the story of the resurrection has gotten a little old. It should never get old. It should always be new to us. And we should always be in awe of God, of what he did for us. Just maybe you need to come to this altar this morning and say, thank you, Jesus. Or maybe God's calling you to be baptized. You've given your life to Christ, but you haven't followed him in baptism. Maybe God's asking you to be a member of our church. Or maybe there's other decisions God is leading you to make this morning. Whatever decision God is leading you to make, or if God's calling you to come to this altar and pray, I want to encourage you to do that. I'll be down here at the front. If you want to talk to me or pray with me, I'd be glad to do that, to talk to you and pray with you. If you just wanted to come to this altar, and spend some time with Jesus, thanking him for what he's done. Feel free to do that as well. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning, and we just thank you, Father, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, the gospel message would not be complete without the resurrection of Jesus. Father, it would be over for us if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Lord, there's no way we could be forgiven of our sins. There's no way we could have peace with you. There's no way we could have eternal life. There's no way we could have a relationship with you if Jesus did not rise. And Father, we thank you that Jesus is risen. We thank you that he is alive. We thank you that he is glorified and that one day he is going to return for those 
who've given their life to you. And Father, I just pray this morning, if there's someone here this morning who's never given their life to you, I pray today would be their day of salvation, God. And, and what a glorious day would be for them to come and say, I want to give my life to Jesus because of what he did for me. And Father, if there's someone here this morning, a believer, maybe they haven't given you the praise and the honor and the glory that you do. Maybe, maybe there's some that just need to come to this altar and say, thank you, Jesus. Maybe there's some here, God, who have wandered away. Maybe there's some who've, who've struggled in their Christian faith. Father, maybe there's some who haven't surrendered every area of their life to you. And God, I just pray for us who know you, God, to, to come this morning and say, God, I want to give my all to you because you've given your all to me and giving your son. Father, whatever decisions to be made, I just pray that it would be made in the hearts of people today. And God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you that hope is alive because Jesus is alive. And God, may we desire to walk with the one who walked out of that tomb. God, we love you so much. It's your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.